This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! This is the Lightning Round Podcast for Jamie Hoyle, who is tweeting from our podcast account at lightning underscore round. I am at Garrett Sisti on Twitter. This is part two of our training camp preview. We are covering the Chargers offensive line going into training camp. But first, we've got a donation and a question. So we got a very generous donation from Zachary McNair. Uh, thank you very much, Zachary. We appreciate it. And he also sent us a message. And that message is, uh, you guys are the best. What's your thoughts on paying Gordon? He's injury prone and a bit overrated. Why not use the franchise tag? Also, what's your honest opinion on if Bosa will resign with us? I feel like the Bosa-Derwin-James combo could keep us relevant for some time. Thanks for all the great content. All right, so you tell me your thoughts. What are you feeling about paying Gordon? Um, I've been saying since last season that I think they're going to franchise him. Um, I think they will try to work out a contract extension with him, and he's going to want a boatload of money based on what um, David Johnson and Todd Gurley got from their respective teams. And I think they're going to realize that they have uh, other other players who – make larger impacts on the game who need to get paid over the next couple of years. And they will try to stretch him out a lot like they did with Melvin Gordon and use the franchise tag to try to buy themselves some time and use it as leverage to try to get, drive the price down on him a little bit. Uh, I, I think they may eventually wind up extending him, but I don't think it's going to happen right away. I don't think it'll be this year. And I think they'll, they'll franchise tag him next year because I just think it's a smart thing to do with a running back, who's got some wear and tear on him, who's been beat up. I just think you don't want to throw huge money at him. I don't think it's smart. I don't think it's prudent. Um, and I think they will recognize that once they start looking at re-signing guys like Bosa, guys like uh, Henry and Phillip and Desmond King and some of the other guys that need to be re-signed. Yeah, you know, Melvin Gordon's brought up Todd Gurley. He's brought up David Johnson's contract. He said he wanted to see what Le'Veon Bell was going to get. This year, and so Gurley got fourteen point three million. Le'Veon got thirteen point million a year, and Johnson landed at thirteen million a year. And so, if that's the barometer, I'm out. Um, I, I agree with you. I think they end up franchise tagging him because you got to keep Gordon as long as you can because he's a vital part of this offense. But you know, if, like the guys you mentioned, I'm paying Rivers and Bosa and King and Henry before I'm paying Gordon. And then you look in. Two years from now to 2021, you got Keenan Allen on the docket. You got Russell Okung, Melvin Ingram. They're all free agents then. So you got a lot of people to pay. And we've said it on this podcast many times. It's not smart to overpay for a running back. And that's why we never want the Chargers to sign one in free agency. I think he deserves a contract, obviously. He's been a very good player. But for the Chargers, it's got to be at the right price. And for me, same thing. You know, it's it's hard to justify paying a running back that much money in the 14 to 13 million dollar range which is where he's looking right now with the Gurley bell johnson range yeah um and i think you know you start hearing some of his comments and he's made in recent weeks he said it several times i know my worth yeah. i know my value mm-hmm. i know what i'm worth people are worried about bosa being difficult to resign i think i think gordon's going to be difficult to resign because i think he has even though he is valuable and he is a good football player, a good running back, and he's valuable to this offense, I think he might have a slightly overinflated view of what he's worth as a running back 
So he might be more difficult to re-sign than people think. And if it comes down to keeping Bosa or keeping Des King or keeping Melvin Gordon, uh, I think the Chargers can get by without Gordon, whereas you've got huge holes on your roster and big problems if you lose a Bosa or a Des King or even a Hunter Henry. Yeah. So I just think there are other players that need to be paid, and I think at, because he's a running back and because they do have a nice stable of running backs behind him, and they're relatively easy to find, apparently. Um, <laughs> I think it's. I think that they might deprioritize him a little bit to the extent that you know they're not they're not in a rush to sign him to a multi-year deal. Yeah, and you know Austin Eckler was great last year and uh, showed signs of running back one, even though when he got the opportunity, he didn't quite show up like uh, Melvin Gordon does as a bell cow back. But yeah, I mean he he mentioned multiple times, I know my worth, and then. You know, when asked about holding out or if there was going to be any complications, he said, I just hope it doesn't come to that. And I can only control what I can control, which is, you know, what most players say. They just try to get to work and do their job. But, you know, I think this this could get ugly. They've talked about wanting to re-sign him this offseason, but they haven't come to an agreement. And with statements like, I know my worth, it seems like the Chargers are kind of underplaying their hand right now. And I don't blame him. I mean, he's a good football player. I don't know if he's overvaluing his worth i mean i'm sure a team would pay him 13 million a year he's definitely one of the better running backs in the league but again like you mentioned you know they've got a four running back deep stable right now with newsom and justin jackson and austin eckler it seems like the chargers do pretty well with their running backs and they can definitely push him down the pay line if you will when you talk about guys like henry and king and bosa and rivers coming up yeah, I totally agree. So we asked, you know, what's your honest opinion on Bosa re-signing? You think it's going to be a, a bigger journey to get Melvin Gordon re-signed than Joey Bosa? Um, I think it might be because I have a feeling the Chargers view Bosa as their the face of the franchise moving forward. Mm-hmm. Because Philip, even though he's technically the face of the franchise, he's not. He's long in the tooth, obviously, and he probably will not be around for more than a couple more years. So. I think they rightly look at Bosa as the guy they're going to build most of their marketing plans around, him and James, and I think they will be in a rush to pay him accordingly. So I do think that they will get something done with him. I know people keep saying he was tough to sign last time. They're not going to get it done. He's he's going to – people think he wants to go play with his brother Nick up in San Francisco. <laughs> I, you know, I think people are just assigning uh, their opinion to him based on how they view him from the last time around, and I have a feeling that – I just think it gets done. I think he realizes what he's worth to the team. I think the team realizes what he's worth to them. And I got to I gotta feel like Gus Bradley would lose his mind if they let him walk. So uh, I, I think I think Bosa gets done before Gordon, before Gordon does, and I think that's the right way to go. Yeah, and if you've been a longtime fan of this podcast, you know that Jamie and I were on Team Bosa during those contract negotiations and that the Chargers were definitely – uh, not giving him uh, what he wanted and what he should have got. But, um, yeah, I actually agree with you here, too. The report recently was that Matt Verdurami, I think his last name was, the Chargers were going to aim to re-sign Joey Bosa next offseason. And, and that makes sense. You know, it would be the Bosa's fourth year before he hits free agency. They can obviously tag him, too, but we'll see how it goes. There's two things at play here. You know, uh, during the 2019 season, Bosa could, God forbid, miss some more time. 
and maybe even help out the Chargers a little bit in terms of contract negotiation and push that price tag down, knowing that you know his sophomore year was the only time he played 16 games, or he could go the other way and Bosa, you know, blows the door off, leads the league in sacks, and that price tag gets hiked up. But you know, if that's the case, then the Chargers would be pretty good in 2019. So I can't complain. It's not my money, but um, <laughs> either way, they, they're going to find a way to get this done because he really is the face of the franchise. They, during the draft process, they coveted him for years before drafting him. He is the guy they want. He is the pass rusher that they envision him to be. Uh, he will definitely be the face of the franchise. He will be the pass rusher long when Melvin Ingram is gone. So uh, Bosa will be, I think, a, a high priority, at least a higher priority than Melvin Gordon. Yeah, and I think if you look at the way the contracts are breaking out the uh, over the next couple of years, you know, Bosa is going to be entering his prime as a player uh, next offseason, whereas after 2021, you're looking at Melvin Ingram being, I think, 30 or 31 yeah, definitely on the outside of his prime, if not heading towards the end. Uh, and it's probably likely that they will let him walk when he hits free agency if he's not if he's not amenable to a, t- a team friendly deal. So that really leaves Bosa as the core of the defensive line, him and Tillery, hopefully, if all, if everything works out. And yeah. I think that will push them even further to get it done, realizing that they're not going to have that tandem of Ingram Bosa, and they're not going to want to start over from scratch again. So they're going to want to keep Bosa around to make sure that they have that core on the defensive line so that the guys on the back end can play well and make plays on the football. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking towards the future, that's the move you got to make when you know Ingram's going to be uh, older and going to be a free agent. Okung's older, so he might walk too. But you got to lock up your young players that are good. You know, Rivers obviously a guy they're going to get. They got to get done before anybody. But you know, guys like Des King and and uh, Joey Bosa and then even Hunter Henry. Those are guys that are definitely going to be a high priority for sure. So let's go ahead and move on to offensive line because that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we're going over the Chargers offensive line going into training camp. Uh, we'll talk about tackles, guards, centers, everybody going into camp. And let's go ahead and talk about tackles. Uh, the Chargers have five on the roster. It is Russell Okung starting left tackle. They've got Sam Tevy at right tackle. Of course, the third-round pick, Trey Pipkins, Trent Scott, and the UDFA, Blake Camper. So this is a group with probably one spot that's available, uh, like kind of upper competition going into camp legitimately. Um, And no, it's not the starting right tackle spot, unfortunately. (laughs) It should be, but it's not. Um, So obviously, like you mentioned, they've got Okung and Tevi bookending the offensive line going into the season. And you got to figure that just because he was here last year – and they kept him around. Trent Scott is probably going to make the team, and that leaves the rookie Trey Pipkins being a kind of a secondary swing tackle if they decide to carry four tackles. that If they only carry three, it'll come down to Pipkins and Scott, and you would assume that Pipkins walks off with that spot based on the fact that he's a third-round pick. Um, hopefully they carry four tackles, especially with you know the the news that Russell Okung is nursing an an undisclosed injury and nobody seems to know what is wrong with him or how it happened or when or if he's going to be back uh you know it just kind of seems to me like whatever this injury is uh they should know what it is by now and either they do and they're not telling us or they just haven't figured it out yet and it feels like it's headed in the direction that Joey Bosa's injury headed in last year in training camp which was oh he's fine He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. Oh shit. He's not fine. <laughs> and that kind of feels like that's where it's going. And if they lose Okung, this tackle group's in big trouble. 
because then you're talking about Tevi probably, probably playing left tackle, Scott or Pipkins playing right tackle on a regular basis. There's just all kinds of havoc being wreaked there. So hopefully the young guys play well in camp. Maybe they find a way to add a veteran at some point in camp to, to bring along the competition. But you know, you're looking at three, maybe four tackles tops and the UDFA Blake camper at best, probably battling out for a training camps or a uh, practice squad spot. Yeah, that undisclosed injury is always scary. It could be terrible or could be nothing. And uh, I guess the uncertainty is the worst part about it. But Anthony Lynn even said he, they were unclear of the severity and even if he'd be ready for training camp. So we don't even have a timetable, which is a little bit scary. I mean, at, at the very least, we know there's no broken bones. That'd be easy to diagnose. But, uh, you know, like muscle strains and pulls, you, you just don't know about those timelines. So Soft tissue you know, with, like yeah, what Bosa had just, with his foot last year. Yeah, exactly. You just never know. So with Okung out, the Chargers moved Sam Tevy, the current starting right tackle, over to left tackle. And then they moved Trent Scott to right tackle. And we're starting to see how bad this offensive line will be if Russell Okung miss, misses any significant time. Trey Pipkins would probably take over the left tackle spot because that's how they drafted him. And he's a left tackle only, they said. Uh, they, they mentioned a swing tackle, but they view him as a, a left tackle in the NFL Sam Tevy staying a right tackle, but that still isn't encouraging. You've got, you know, the Chargers have already indicated when they drafted Trey Pipkins that he's going to need some time to develop. So that would be a hell of a trial by fire to have him start on the blind side his rookie year. So I'm hoping personally that another tackle falls in their lap, the a la uh, Joe Barksdale during cuts. And uh, it, it just seems like there's no wiggle room in this group. If Russell Okung's gone, they're in major trouble. And though they drafted Trey Pipkins, they don't have any real NFL-ready tackles going. I mean, Okung's obviously a pro bowler at his best, but outside of him, you've got Sam Tevy, who was a bottom five right tackle last season. Trent Scott, who was fine last year, but you don't really want to see him on the field for starter snaps. Trey Pipkins, again, will need some time. Blake Camper, UDFA, South Carolina. He was exclusively a right tackle there. He's 6'8", 309, really big frame, but he didn't really have any starter experience until last season where he started eight games. So even in the college level, Camper couldn't get on the field, so you can't really depend on him. This group is really, really razor thin. You've got Russell Okung at left tackle, Trey Pipkins behind him, maybe Sam Tevy in a pinch, I guess, now. And then you've got Sam Tevy at right tackle, Trent Scott, and Blake Camper. So that group uh, does not look good on paper. So this is something we've talked about in the past, and the Chargers have kind of poo-pooed it over the last couple of years, but you kind of wonder if their <laughs> hand might be forced, is could they be forced into auditioning Forrest Lamp at right tackle, being that he did play left tackle at a very high level in college. Uh, they seem to be happy with their two guards, who we'll talk about here in a few minutes. But if he's not able to win a starting guard spot and they want to get something out of their second-round pick, could they reevaluate the decision not to play Forrest Lamp at right tackle and throw him out there in camp and see if maybe he can fill a hole if Okung is out for a significant amount of time? Yeah, definitely something to watch. Let's go ahead and talk about these guards uh, and going in the interior. Of course, the starters return again from last year. Right guard Michael Schofield, left guard Dan Feeney, uh, the man you just mentioned, Forrest Lamp, is on the depth chart, Spencer Drongo, and two UDFAs, Coda Martin and Chris Brown. Of course, Dan Feeney, Michael Schofield, starters a year ago. Pat Meyer said Forrest Lamp, that's the Chargers offensive line coach, said Forrest Lamp will have every opportunity to compete for a starting job. 
Meyer also said Forslamp is going to swap between left guard and right guard in camp. Both Feeney and Schofield weren't very good last year. I think Feeney was the worst of that group, to be honest. But the best part about their game was their availability. They started all 16 games, so that's obviously great. This is this is one of the tighter battles in camp here because everyone wants Forslamp starting, and Feeney and Schofield coming off uh, a bad year in 2018 could easily be dethroned. Feeney was worse again, but... It seems like, you know, Schofield uh, going to be 29 in the season. They invested a day two pick in both Feeney and Lamp, so they might be viewing those two as future guards. That's what they did when they drafted him. Age could play a part here for uh, Michael Schofield, but really, Lamp could replace either at this point. Uh, he will certainly be granted the opportunity. In terms of Spencer Drongo, he spent time on the Chargers practice squad last year. He was drafted by the Browns, played tackle before landing inside and eventually being waived. Uh, Drongo will be a guy to watch because he could probably compete with Cole Toner, who we'll talk about in the center group, as one of the you know final interior spots. Not not a great player, but Cole Toner also just a guy. You know, uh, Drongo could be guard depth. Can also play tackle. When we talked about how thin that tackle spot is, maybe the last tackle on that depth chart. And um, you know, you then have uh, Pouncey. You got guys like Questenberry who could play center, and then maybe you throw Feeney in there at center too, which they did in camp. But uh, Drongo, again, another practice squad candidate. In terms of the UDFAs, Coda Martin played tackle at Syracuse. A team listed him as a guard. In fact, Martin played left and right tackle in college. A pretty athletic lineman. He was a former tight end. He looked pretty good at the second level. Uh, showed a slow initial get-off, which is part of the reason why they probably kicked him inside. He's got the play style that I'm sure the Chargers are looking for from an athletic standpoint, so he's a guy to watch. And then Chris Brown, tackle at USC, eventually became a guard. Pitch in on special teams, huge frame, 6'5", 3'10", but tested as a very poor athlete. Yeah, he Brown doesn't really fit the athletic profile the Chargers no. tend to look for in their guards. No. Um, you, know, you mentioned Schofield and Feeney not playing well last year. Both of them struggled mightily. They're both good athletes. Feeney probably more so than Schofield. Um, Feeney is a guy who seems to be looking to make the next step in his career. He worked with, um, now I'm blanking on his name. What's the offensive line coaches? Duke Merriweather? Uh, Duke Mannyweather, yeah. Yeah, he, he spent the offseason working with Duke Mannyweather, who's a famed offensive line coach. So, you know, at the very least, we can take, we can go with the idea that maybe, you know, he's, he's looking to improve, looking to get stronger and, take that next step in his career, which is encouraging because he took a big step back last year after a successful uh, rookie season. So the Chargers, you know, you're probably looking at a starting combination of either Feeney and Lamp or Feeney and Schofield or Lamp and Schofield, some, somewhere in there, yep. depending on how guys play. Right now, you'd probably think that Feeney is, would be the first one to be replaced just based on how he played last year. Terrible in pass protection, much better as a run blocker. Uh, and I mean, we've been waiting for it for two years. Now we're look, now we're going to see a heavy dose of forest lamp on the interior of that line. So hopefully he steps up and plays very well. I think people, a lot of people are tired of talking about him. So now it's just time to see him play. Can he, can he play? Can he stay healthy? Can he assert himself in an offensive line battle and take a job from either Feeney or Schofield? Got to start getting some kind of value out of that second round pick. Otherwise it's time to start using the B word here pretty soon. And not bitch because not bitch no I, <laughs> bust bust yeah I wasn't different B word yeah different B word <laughs> I was not censoring myself sorry <laughs> <laughs> but they do need to start getting something out of lamp 
I still want to see him at tackle. I don't think it'll happen, but I would love to see it. I just feel like he was the best tackle in his draft class, and he's a great athlete, and I think he can hang out there at right tackle, but they seem to be against that because his arms are whatever, a quarter of an inch short, which still seems to be ridiculous to me. Um, You're probably looking at the team carrying three guards, I would say, maybe four at the most, probably three, if you figure they're going to carry four four tackles. So, um, uh, you know, barring a surprise, it seems to me like you're looking at them breaking camp with Schofield, Lamp, and Feeney. Uh, and maybe, you know, you mentioned Durango because he has some experience. Maybe he sneaks in as a, you know, utility lineman kind of a thing. Um, but the rest of the UDFA is probably not going to make the roster. Maybe one of them makes the practice squad at best. Uh, that's probably the best case scenario for those guys, I would think. Yeah, which is probably Coda Martin over Chris Brown. Probably just based on the athletic profile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about these centers then. And there are four here. It is center Mike Pouncey, of course, the starter from last year. You've got two guard centers here, two interior linemen, Scott Questenberry, Cole Toner, and the undrafted free agent center Tanner Volson. So obviously, you know, Pouncey's going to make the team and be the starting center. So you can lock that position up, and that leaves you know, three guys competing for probably one spot, maybe two spots at the most. Um, Questenberry, they drafted, so you figure he's probably going to make the team. And then that leaves two UDFAs, uh, well, one one UDFA, one third-year player, mm-hmm. and Toner and Volson competing for maybe one more spot. Toner spent the whole year on the on the 53, but he was inactive basically on game days, so they liked him enough to keep him active la- – or keep him on the 53 last year as opposed to putting him on the practice squad. So you would assume he's got the inside track at a potential third utility lineman center guard type spot behind Pouncey and Quessenberry. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, you know, Pouncey was a pro bowler last year. So, and also the best lineman to be honest, uh, last year. So he's a lock at center. He kind of fell off towards the end, but, uh, uh, very, very good. Scott Questenberry, Cole Toner, both played center and guard in training camp last year. Both made the squad. You know, uh, Questenberry is going to be a shoe-in for the 53. They've talked about his work ethic and his versatility at guard and center thus far. And Cole Toner, like I mentioned earlier, is just kind of a guy. He was only active one game in 2018. So he's going to be on the bubble. Center Tanner Volson, that's obviously uh, Easton Stick's old uh, teammate. Very decorated player, won a bevy of awards at North Dakota State. He's got the experience, the awards, the smarts. Uh, touted as one of the best run blockers in this draft. Uh, obviously went undrafted because of his below-average athletic testing. He could have an outside chance uh, as a third center, but you know, uh, more of a practice squad candidate there. So last year, the Chargers carried nine offensive linemen on their 53. It was Russell Okung, Dan Feeney, Mike Pouncey, Michael Schofield, Sam Tevy, Forrest Lamp, Joe Barksdale, Scott Questenberry, and Cole Toner. So if you're looking at that list, if you replace Joe Barksdale with Trey Pipkins, that last spot that, you know, the eight is probably locked up. And Okung, Feeney, Pouncey, Schofield, Tevy, Lamp, Pipkins, and Questenberry. In your ninth spot, you've got Cole Toner, maybe a Trent Scott. That's going to be where your big competition is and who's going to get that final uh, offensive line spot. You would think, given the situation that uh, Okung is in, mm-hmm. and just based on the general uncertainty at the position without Okung, even with Okung, um, you'd think they'd be inclined to carry a, a fourth tackle, just just in case, yeah. even if he's inactive every week. Just having that extra body there at that position would help. So, you know, maybe that narrows it down to 
Drango and uh, and Scott. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Those two guys yeah. who can play tackle. Yeah, definitely, and and the fact that Drango can play both guard and tackle, definitely. But I think you know because Trent Scott knows the system was on the fifty three. He might have the inside track for that ninth spot on the initial fifty three going in two thousand nineteen. But that's an open competition. I mean, I think I think eight spots are pretty much locked up. But that last spot, that ninth, not that not that Questenberry is you know a, a total lock set in stone, but you know a, a pretty good shoe in for the fifty three. But but that last spot is open. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I doubt they carry ten. They probably should, but I doubt they will just because they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna need the extra body, and you know they're gonna be carrying three quarterbacks. So yeah, uh, and maybe gonna, four running backs. I mean, yeah, they got to cut yeah. somewhere, so <laughs> they can't keep adding. <laughs> <laughs> you mean they can't carry fifty six players? <laughs> Not please? yet. No. Can we make an exception for the Chargers, please? All right. Well, hey man, that does it for the offensive line. We've done it. Offense is done. We did quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers last week. If you didn't catch that, go check that out. We'll move on to defense, uh, and we're going to be releasing these podcasts every other week. So look for our next defensive podcast two weeks from now when you're listening. So appreciate you guys listening. And also, Jamie and I talked, and we'll be at training camp. So come and find us this year. Yeah, we'll let you know when we're going to be out there. It'll be sometime in August most likely, but we will be out there. So hopefully we can meet some of you and – Take in maybe a joint practice together. Yep. All right, guys. That does it for us today. Appreciate you guys listening. I am at Garrett on Twitter. Jamie? At Lightning underscore Round. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>